0: Hello and welcome to Mean Olds World, an alternative podcast that will inject you with motivation, a new perspective on life and this week I did have the giggle so you'll hear a lot of that as well. Uh, On this episode I had Isra Zul, Uh, she's a poet, change maker and at such a young age her insight into what it means to be a South Asian woman in our generation really struck a chord with me. Uh, We talk about what it means to be a woman in our society and the responsibilities that come with it. She talks about her aspirations as a poet and her dream to write a book based on the common phrase "log kya which directly translates to what will people say and unfortunately this specific phrase hangs as a big black cloud above our heads not just for women but men as well. So really enjoyed recording this episode with Isra and I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to her as well and her ideas. And at such a young age, I'm, I'm really impressed with, with her ideas on, and views on, on life. So without further ado, we'll just get right into the show. Welcome to the show, Isra, and thank you for joining us here in London today. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, I, usually, I usually like our guests to introduce themselves, Isra, although I have given a bit of an introduction already. I'd like you to tell our guests who you are and what you do. So I'm
1: Isra. I am 20 years old. Um, I'm studying geography at the moment. I mainly specify in South Asian geography because I'm South Asian and it's something that really interests me. Um, I'm also a writer. I write poetry, short stories, trying to write a book at the moment. So yeah, I think that sums me up <laughs> a
0: little bit. <laughs> Great, Isra. So I, I, the reason I wanted to have you on, on the show today was because it was almost a month ago that I met you and you know your, your story was very was very powerful actually and I felt I felt like you were like my little sister (laughs) like I was like I need to I need to take her under my wing and I need to help her because I went through something quite similar myself actually when I initially had started Desi Outsiders the -hmm. the initial podcast I went through a lot of self-doubt a lot of you know and this is something that we will talk about Mm -hmm. later on I went through all of that myself actually and social media wasn't at that stage that it is now. So I think that sort of support system, role model system wasn't really in in place. I mean it was probably there, but I just wasn't so Mm. aware of it actually. And I I when I when I met you, I was like, well I think Isra needs needs like a just a bit of a a tap on the shoulder and say, you know, everything will be okay (laughs) and she'll she'll be fine. So before we go into like what what you want to do with your writing and poetry, Mm -hmm. Isra, I just wanted to just get a bit of an idea of, like, your upbringing, uh, because surely that must have influenced what you actually want to do now. Like, obviously, the way you were raised, uh, your experiences as a child have, uh, surely have influenced you now to say, okay, I actually want to go into poetry Mm -hmm. and write a book.
1: Yeah. So... um...
0: I think the typical kind of Asian
1: families. I grew up with a very so, okay, big... Is it, what is a typical Asian family? <laughs> very big, very loud. It's actually very fun yeah. growing up in it. I think when you're younger and you have like loads of cousins and loads of family members, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah.
0: Um So I mean, do you all live yeah. in one
1: house? No. So um my immediate family in terms of like who actually live in my house is just me, my brother, my mum and my dad. Yeah. Um there's just two siblings. That was That was actually really fun. Um, It was nice growing up with an older brother. Um, And then my dad... Because most of my dad's family live in London. So it's huge. Like, I probably have about 30 or 40 first cousins. Wow. Yeah, I
0: think I have probably the same amount, but I probably do have never (laughs) met half of them. (laughs) Yeah, and we all used to
1: meet at my granddad's house on a Saturday. And so that's how I grew up, just surrounded by all of this family. Which, like I said, growing up, when you're younger, is really lovely. Um... So that was kind of like my family unit. Um, I basically kind of got I think I've always enjoyed studying, like I've always enjoyed reading. Mm. My mum really enforced that herself when we were growing up. Like me, my brother and my mum would spend every night taking interns to read like a page of a book. Oh,
0: okay. And Um, what kind of books were they? Just mainly fiction. Like we read a lot of Michael McPurgo. Really? Yeah. Mum made me be the Bhagavad Gita, so like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> mine wasn't that interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so my mum really
1: enforced that within us, um, and also my mum is a real big advocate of like learning through playing, mm. um, which I think really helped. So we did a lot of like forest school stuff, and like, go, like I spent most of my childhood in like Hampstead Heath, wow, just okay. being surrounded by nature. Yeah,
0: yeah, um,
1: which was really nice actually.
0: It's quite interesting, actually, because you know, like I think about how my mother raised us, and yeah. I, I still say, and I think every child will say this about their own mother and say, like, you know, their mother is the best mother mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah. Ever, and I still like say this, you of know, course. like about my own mother and my own father, actually. Yeah. Don't leave poor guy out. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> um, but everyone has their own way of sort of enforcing what they believe is, mm-hmm. is the right way. Actually, yeah. And I, I, my husband. Uh, Nishant, he's a creative himself, actually. Yeah. And the reason why he's he's very very creative to the extent that I, I like it actually blows my mind away. Sometimes I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Like To for you to come up with these ideas and all that, and it's because of his his upbringing actually. His upbringing mm-hmm. was quite different in the sense that his schooling, especially, and his parents put him in specific environments yeah. to trigger those sort of mm-hmm. uh, waves. Whereas my mum, for example, was was very adamant that we. We were, you know, taught our religious texts. We were studying all the time, and we were taught more. It was, it was more like our, our upbringing was more about like having, like, sanskar rather than okay, I want my child to be able to have ten different hats on yeah. by the time they're twenty. You know, mm-hmm. but, but because that's how my mom was raised. Of you know, course. so she she put that in self. And now myself, like being married and hopefully having children soon, I obviously want to continue what my mother gave to me. Mm-hmm. But then also, and like, I, you know, say okay do what like something like your mother did you know yeah. like actually we're going to make sure that our kids read different types of books and different mm-hmm. types of poetry but then also, at the same time make sure that they read the Bhagavad Gita because yeah, that's also important you know just how mothers raise their children I think it's so, such a, a beautiful thing to explore mm-hmm. it because is. it's a very unique thing and like your mother has created you and you're a very unique person, and you're, you know, you have your, you have your own values, and I have my own values yeah, in a different way. You know, I think that in our South Asian communities, we're all raised in very, very different ways. But I think there's a beauty in that. Mm. You know, that we're all a product of something, of course, uh, in a very different way. Yeah. So that's why I always ask my guests, like, how were you raised? Because I think it's <laughs> very interesting to see, yeah. you know, and then maybe take some tips. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, like speaking of that, I always say that everything is like relative to experience. So even though there are like certain morals and values that will continue and I'll take on, probably you will take on, you'll pass on to your children. The way that you're going to raise your children is going to be completely different Mm. to how your mum raised you. Because that was all relative to what her experience was. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Uh, to what
0: she knew at that time. I, I know I said this to Ravine last week as well. I, I genuinely think this is the biggest generation gap we probably ever have. Mm-hmm. So we're all on very different levels compared to, to our parents. Actually, yeah. was your mom born in 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 Pakistan? My mom was born here. Oh, she was born yeah, here. Okay, born here. so you see that that's what the difference is. Yeah. I think I think that actually influences how she raised you as well. Yeah, actually, of so my my mom was from India and mm-hmm. she came straight after she got married. Then after that, she had a kids and family, so yeah. she just jumped India to Gibraltar straight mm-hmm. away. Whereas my husband's mother was, I think she came here quite young. Actually, she went to university here in the UK, oh, wow, okay. so I think like she was in, involved mm-hmm. in the British culture a bit more. Yeah. So then that was sort of passed on to to her children as mm-hmm. well. And it's actually incredible because, like, I, I just think if you know, if your mom had raised you maybe in a different country, she would have think she would have thought, okay maybe something else would be more important to, yeah. to pass on
1: yeah. so yeah i actually i was having this conversation the other day because i was like imagine i was raised in pakistan i probably would have been married by now mm. like my life would have been completely different yeah. like i wouldn't have all these things that I don't think I take for granted. Well, of course, sometimes I do take for granted, but like I wouldn't have all these opportunities. Like, I definitely would have just been a housewife. It's really
0: incredible that you actually think think like that, Isra, because a lot of 20 year olds don't. Uh, you know, I think last week I was uh, talking to a, a doctor friend of mine, and I was actually quite unwell last week. But mm-hmm. then I, I just said to her, I was like, Look, I see patients <coughs> who are much worse than I am. And, yeah. you know, you just have to. I'm not saying you just have to, like, swallow it and get along because that's not how you that's not how you deal yeah. with, like, your issues. <laughs> yeah. But you just you have a bit of a perspective, you of know? Course. And it's incredible that you have that perspective because we live in a society where we're quite cushioned, especially in London, man. Yeah. Why, I think we why, don't realise our,
1: pr- our privilege
0: it, as, as I mean, yeah. you're walking down, like... Uh, Holland Park or Shepherd Bush. Uh, why would you even think about Lahore? <laughs> like, like, why would you even think about that? You yeah, know, but I mean, the reason I do is because I, as a, as a child, again, my mother was very adamant in in explaining to us and actually enforcing the idea that you'll always be better off than someone else, mm-hmm. and you always appreciate that. Yeah. Now, as kids, actually, we do that without our parents having to tell us mm-hmm. because we are very active in our own reading, yeah. in our own personal development. That these sort of values are self. Taught now rather course, than having yeah. to. But obviously, as a seven-year-old, it was quite different for you. Like, <laughs> as a child, your mom had to, like you know, enforce that idea. Yeah. But I think now we were quite blessed, actually, to be in a generation where I don't want to say the word, but we're much more woke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like yeah. in in that sort of sense. No where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you you talk about how you were raised as as a child and you said it was quite fun Mm -hmm. being in in a family is it still that way like Um, (laughs) because you said it was fun so I I don't know
1: I think to an extent like when like at the moment one of my first cousins is getting married so Mm -hmm. that's nice um but at the same time I think I think a lot changes as you grow older because you start to see certain things for what they are more whereas when you're a child everything is is, a, is all very, like, rosy. Yeah. And, like, you're just a child, essentially. So, an, an example, like... Um, I think you realise the pressure of everybody else's opinion. And I think, as an Asian woman, especially, um, I think it's so inherent and it's so ingrained within our culture.
0: Yeah. I, I totally agree yeah. with Isra. I think it's like a, a black cloud in the back of your head mm-hmm. that's always there. Yeah. And... I, I recently got married about like, a few months ago. Yeah, two months ago. I had to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> even after, even being a married woman, Isra, I'm not kidding. I'm still like shit scared of my mom, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm to oh, what's she going what to say? or mm-hmm. like, And it's even things, it's very small things, Isra. When I come back from work, my mom's like, okay, so what are you doing now? And um, I think I feel like I just have to say I'm going to cook for my husband, you know? <laughs> I just panic. Yeah. Like, what do I say? Well, really, I'm just, like, sat on the sofa, just, like, watching Netflix, or so yeah. just, like, chilling out, talking to my husband, having a cup of tea, or sometimes even it's the opposite, Nishan's cooking, and I'm, yeah. I'm on the sofa. I'm actually, like, quite scared of my mom still. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but she's the only person I'm scared of. Mm-hmm. My dad, my dad's very laid back. He's very chilled out. He's very just, like, happy-go-lucky sort of thing. So yeah. I'm not too concerned about him, but... And, and neither am I of any other member of my family, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm really blasé about them. But with my mum, it's just like, okay, what's my mom going to say? Yeah. Even today is from my day off. I told my mom like, I'm recording a podcast and I know she's going to be like, but meal, you should, like, do your laundry. You should clean the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should take care of your home. And, yeah. But I, I don't blame her. Of course. Because that's what her mom. That's all they know. That's all they know. Yeah. And coming from a, a perspective where she's like, I want to teach my daughter to have good values. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not coming from a, a, any other place. You know, she's like, I want my daughter to raise children in the right way. I want her mm-hmm. to have a nice household. Yeah. And that's why she's telling me all of this. But then also I'm like, I just keep telling myself I'm 27. Like, <laughs> Why am I so scared of my mom still? And yeah. there's always that, that thing in the back of your head thinking like, you know, everyone's opinion starts to actually play a role in the decisions you make with 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 things that you want to do Mm
1: -hmm. I think even sometimes without realizing Mm. because like you said it's always at the back of your mind and that's why I think it's such a big part of our culture the idea of what will everyone else say and I think it really is like the way I explain it's like trying to break free from those shackles because I really think it's so limiting even to the point where like like I was talking about my family like we had one auntie who would and every results day phone round the house really? <laughs> to see who got the highest results yeah and it's like things like like my brother didn't go to university he like it's things like this where it's like because he's going through different avenues in life like he's really successful right now he's doing really well in his life and he's in, he's like very creative and mm. like hit like our measure of success is so subjective yeah that it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what anybody else has to say. And mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to be comparing myself but because I'm so used to doing that because that's how I've been brought up. I naturally yeah. do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's
1: like, okay, I'm studying geography. I'm not being a doctor though. And I'm not becoming an engineer. And to some people I'm probably not as academic as they'd like me mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. What they think I'm studying isn't very academic, um, and like the avenue I went to. it. So my mom studied
0: geography and like. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's that's okay. nice to hear.
1: <laughs> if my mom did it, then you're okay. okay. <laughs> that's nice to hear. That's comforting. <laughs> um, yeah, so in comparison to other people, I probably, as a, Asian woman, I'm not. But that, that's yeah. the word
0: comparison. Yeah. Why is that even in our vocabulary? And I think that we as women and you know we we need to really support each other Mm -hmm. in that actually we don't want to feel like we're fighting society yeah we want to feel like we're trying to change Mm -hmm. um society and it's very difficult to do that because you're trying to actually do good you're trying to do your job you're trying to do a podcast trying to and it's all coming from a place of like trying to just achieve great things yeah but why do I have to explain myself Mm. to people and do I have to tell people what I'm doing all the time mm-hmm. just so that they understand yeah. and just so that they can actually like be nice to me? Mm-hmm. We're in this position. If we want to teach people to empathize, yeah, we have to be the people to empathize as of well. Course. And to do that is the only way to do that really is to educate mm-hmm. and to, to show people, you know, at the age of 20, going through this change is, is must be quite Quite big, actually, because that's how you've been raised for the last twenty years, and I'm going through this change, and you're thinking, actually, it's it's not how I should be thinking. Mm -hmm. Should be, I need to shift my my thinking.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, actually, because I feel like as women and as South Asian women, especially, where we often like invalidate our own feelings because we're always taught that everybody else comes first. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a sister and I'm a daughter. It's difficult to juggle. Your, your culture that you want to hold on to but then also try and try to progress on the things that you don't necessarily agree yeah. with and I think that's the same with me like I love my Punjabi culture and I hold on to a lot of the things and a lot of the values that my mum's taught me that stem from that culture then there's also things like the idea of what will everyone else say that I don't agree with mm-hmm. and I think it's a generational barrier that I want to try and break but also I like you were saying it's not it's not something I'm trying to fight against I don't want to fight against yeah. my culture yeah because it's a culture I love so dearly. Yeah, yeah. And these are values I want to pass on to my own children and have in my own family. Yeah.
0: And it might be a difficult question to answer. Yeah. I don't think I can answer it myself if, if you ask me. But why do you have this love for Punjabi culture and, and our South Asian sort of traditions?
1: I think it goes back to just my childhood and my upbringing. Because I was surrounded by all of these people speak and, speaking Punjabi, going to weddings, like listening to Bhangra music mm. dancing to Bhangra music um and also I think for me the most important thing is the sense of community yeah and I don't feel that sense of community within British culture mm. because obviously I'm juggling having being a British Asian, Asian so and I love the sense of community within the Punjabi culture yeah. and there's a lot of things that I don't like about the community within Punjabi culture like I think there's a lot that isn't spoken about, conversations that need to be had. Yeah. A lot of taboo things like mental health. Yeah. And because especially like my granddad had schizophrenia. Okay. And that was something me and this was my mum's dad. So that was something me and my brother were exposed to from like as long as we can remember. Yeah. So that was, so mental health is something that we've always spoken about. And then when my dad's mum got dementia, mm. which is also a form of mental health, yeah. Everyone just thought it was, like, memory
0: loss. Right. Okay.
1: And there were a lot of people who even thought about my granddad that it was just black magic and, like, yeah. if he prays, it will go away when, actually, yeah. if we take care but of I our physical I, health, I, we should also be taking care of our mental yeah. health.
0: Yeah, uh, but also, I do think, Isra, and I'm quite hopeful about it, actually, mm-hmm. I think that as we become more educated and as we play a role in educating our parents and stuff, I think a lot of this will die, it will have a natural course of dying yeah. down. When I look at my parents now, to what they were, like, five years ago, six mm-hmm. years ago, I see such a big change. Yeah. It's been a lot of hard work from of my course. end. course. But I, I really believe there are enough of us mm-hmm. who want to bring this change.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I,
0: I really believe that that will have like a natural course. It will just like mm-hmm. slowly die down. It will take maybe take a decade or two. It will yeah. take some time because we still live with generations who still believe that. Of course. And until like that doesn't go away and that sort of idea doesn't die down, then you know, yeah. it will take some time. And it's difficult to change people's mindsets,
1: especially if that's how majority of their life they've grown up thinking yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. that. Yeah. And that's difficult to try and reverse that. Yeah. And yeah. that's the
0: thing, you know, like, even when I talk to my parents, I'm like, well, this is how they've been thinking for 60 years. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how can I change that in one day? Yeah, or even, of in, course. even in 60 days, I can't change that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think we have to really, really appreciate that as educators, actually. Yeah, of that course. It, will, it will take some time. It's going to take some time. time. Yeah. yeah. I think about why I love my culture and I think about where I was raised, actually, quite a lucky thing, actually, that I've ended up loving our culture so much. And I would. I, I lived in a community which was quite small, actually. Mm-hmm. The, the Asian community was... I think we had a population of about... At that time, probably about 2,000 people right. in the whole of Gibraltar. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why I've, I've, I've become so in love with our culture and our, our uh, traditions is because my mum engraved it into us so mm-hmm. much. But there was a point where I fell out of love with it, actually. Yeah. And that was when I was at university. Because mm-hmm. it felt like a burden... I was like, well, I, I have to be this person. I yeah. have to be a good Indian girl. I have mm-hmm. to do what my mom says. And it, it became too much for me, actually. Yeah. So I just um, sort of let it go for some time. But then I went into a bit of an identity crisis. Cause <laughs> you're like, what am I then? You yeah. know, like, And then I started to to read up and educate myself and understand what I wanted in my life. Mm-hmm. And what I actually wanted in my life, Isra, is to, to continue the beautiful things that we have in our society yeah. and take it forward and educate my own children about the mm-hmm. same thing. When we live in a place like London that's so big, so many people have so many different ideas mm. of our traditions and culture. Yeah. And I, I clash a lot with a lot of people. Of I, I, I really do. And I, I find it quite difficult living here, actually, compared to when I was in Gibraltar because really? I was so contained in that. And yeah. I was just, like, doing my own thing. And, mm-hmm. um, But I remember when I was a kid, like, people used to make fun of me all the time. Um, yeah, like at home I used to wear like salwar kameez yeah. Because I just found it comfortable. It's like
1: even me, I sleep in the yeah, a salwar in a T shirt. Like it's comfy. Yeah. yeah.
0: And my friends would say, "Oh my god, like you're so Indian," like you know. <laughs> yeah. And when my mom used to put tail on my hair, people yeah. used to make fun of me as well. But it was fine because I was in a small community, and it you know I got by it everyone has a very different perspective yeah. of what being Asian is actually mm-hmm. in this British culture. Yeah. So being a British Asian has so many like angles to yeah. it. And everyone has a different approach towards it. And everyone is comfortable being a different British Asian. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of it as well. Yeah. And we cannot uh, condemn anyone for being more British or being more Asian. Yeah. I think what we do need to do is like to encourage people to find their own balance. Yeah. Because I feel maybe we are raised in a society where we're told we have to be a certain amount of British mm. or a certain amount of Asian. Yeah. And it's very difficult to sort of to Because it's not a choice anymore because you're told you have to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Israel, right, so I just wanna talk about your your project that you were working on. Yeah. I didn't realise we would go on it <laughs> <laughs> Talking about so many other different things. But uh I remember when I when I met you you mentioned one of the phrases in our Punjabi culture which we say Lokya gang is something yeah. that has stuck with you and you, you wanted to sort of explore that a bit mm-hmm.
1: more.
0: So do you want to tell our listeners about what you're trying to do? So
1: I've been writing for a really long time and then I think recently for the past maybe two years I've kind of been like, oh this is actually like I actually think what I'm writing is half decent. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so I write poetry mainly in short stories. So I'm trying to write a book at the moment, which is basically just a collation of poetry that I've written based around the idea of log ya yeah, um, Because I think the idea is so limiting and like, like we were saying, it's so ingrained within our mm-hmm. culture that even though we're trying to progress, it's still always there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot about um, grief and dealing with grief because I think I've unfortunately experienced a lot of that from quite a young age, which I think... Has been quite helpful because I think it's taught me a lot and also prepared me for a lot. But then I think it also forced me to grow up quite quickly.
0: Was that was that related to family? Maybe, yeah. Or? So um,
1: I experienced the death of my grandparents from a very young age. Yeah. I was young, but I was also old enough to be aware of what was going mm-hmm. on. Um, and then also when my grandma passed, my mum's mum passed away about mm. three years ago. My mum unfortunately fell into a depression. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of turned into becoming responsible for a household yeah. when I was like doing my A-levels when I, when wow. I was 17 years yeah. old. Um, and obviously my brother was in full-time work and my dad was also in full-time work. So trying to like juggle, yeah. trying to be the daughter and yeah. trying to be there for my mum. Mm-hmm. And then I've also been a carer for my grandma, who I said has dementia from when I was about 12 years old. Yeah. Um, so I think, although I'm really grateful for these experiences because they brought me closer to my family and kind of showed me the value of what Mm. family is for me Mm. um but like I said I think they also kind of forced me to grow up a lot quicker than I thought I would have yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah I've always had in the back of my mind the idea of what will everyone else say um and I think also I wrote something recently um about like patriarchy Mm -hmm. and living in the shadow of the man because Mm -hmm. I think like we were saying earlier as South Asian women it's so easy to invalidate what you're feeling Mm. and what you want in your life because we're so concerned about putting everybody else mm. before us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I think in certain aspects there's, there's not that much wrong with that but also I think we have to learn to put ourselves first as well sometimes.
0: Yeah, I I agree but I also I also want to ask you as a as a daughter mm-hmm. and as a carer and yeah. as, as a sister do you feel that there are times where you, you should act? Not 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 that you want to. I'm mm-hmm. saying that you should put other people before you because you feel that, that it will be the best for your family.
1: I do think there are times that yeah. I should. And do you think that's okay? For me. Um, I think it's okay to an extent, but I think it becomes a little bit damaging when you forget about
0: yourself. And yeah. I'm trying to figure myself out as well. Yeah. And after being married, you know, it... it it's given me more of a it's opened up a lot more actually to think okay what 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 is my role Mm -hmm. um as a daughter as a daughter-in-law now as as a sister I have an older brother even as as a niece because I have aunts and uncles who who may need me in the future and I've always been the type of person to put other people before me only because that's what I've seen my mother done yeah and my mother's done that all the time and Mm -hmm. she still does that yeah and it's always sort of felt like, okay, as, as a girl, as a daughter, that's that's what you that's should do. That's what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, there are times where, obviously now I've become better at knowing mm-hmm. when to put myself first and when to put other people before me. Yeah, But I also feel that we have to also be responsible sometimes and be the anchor, mm-hmm. the emotional anchor of, of our family as yeah. daughters and say, okay, you know, my brother needs this, so my father needs this, let's put him first before mm-hmm. me, I'll deal with myself later. Yeah, And as long as you're aware of how you're feeling at that time mm-hmm. and you're aware that you can deal with it. That's yeah. the thing. It takes a lot of practice to yeah, sort of course. get to that stage. My mother, she just did that all the time, mm-hmm. full stop. And that obviously has had an impact on her because... I feel like a part of her may feel that she hasn't given enough time for herself. And al- although yeah. she says that she's done everything for her family, for her children, mm-hmm. I know deep down, like, you know, there's so much more she wanted to do for herself, but she couldn't. But, you know, it's, it's again drawing that line as trying to be a modern feminist, mm-hmm. but then also holding to traditions. Because I yeah. feel like we need to be... We cannot forget as well that we come from families where people need us. yeah, And we need to be there for people when when they need to be and we are we're, as, as women actually our brains are quite incredible because we can jump from emotion to emotion when we want to mm-hmm. and I think we're better at doing that than men are yeah, actually I was literally just gonna say that as much as as much as I feel like men should play a role as well I still feel daughters and women are so important 100%,
1: for the family. yeah
0: um you know we we hold a big responsibility yeah. uh to to anchor everyone down actually of course yeah. and I think um women in our society are so strong
1: and are actually the backbone of our households and and of the society um and I think it does come down to I think I don't know if people might really disagree with this but I go ahead (laughs) I love it (laughs) I think women just have more emotional capacity Mm. and are able to take on a lot more Mm. Um, I think I
0: think I think we are able to take on a lot more but we're also we also not good at knowing how much we can take yeah. sometimes. And, and knowing that there's a limit. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. The thing, that's the thing is, Raina, you said such a powerful thing, actually, that women are the backbone of, of our culture and society and even our households. Yeah. I think we can even be much stronger if we support each other. 100%. I, I don't know what it's like so much in British culture, like pure British culture. Mm. You know, women and men run their families sort of equally. Yeah. I think like the men and the women are doing pretty much the same thing for, for the children but there's something about our culture isra that i feel like women, if, you, if i and again people might disagree with what i say but i really think the mother and the women have so, more of an impact actually uh, in how the children turn out to be I because agree, it's the yeah. mother who passes the values and mm-hmm. the mother who and and i'm saying this now as as a married woman actually and I, maybe i wouldn't have said this 5 years ago mm-hmm. but i'm saying this now because i've seen families i've seen Nishan's family, my course. family, and I think that we we need to appreciate that so much more. Yeah, I think writing about your your poetry and writing about the experiences you felt actually will probably actually help so many other people because yeah. they have gone through through something quite similar. Mm-hmm. And do do you do you have anyone in your family who's who's sort of helping you with this or supporting you? Um, I don't think anyone's helped like. Wow, that came out
1: really wrong. <laughs> okay. It's okay. We can always edit this. <laughs> <Okay. if we're>... <laughs> um, <laughs> I think my, to be honest, my mum is the only one who really kind of knows I'm actually writing. I think there's a few people in my family who know I'm writing a book.
0: Yeah.
1: My mum my mom is kind of the one who kind of just knows the idea. Mm. Like, she's the one who I've spoken to about it. Okay. Mostly. Um, and she's really supportive. Yeah. Um, I think because we have these conversations so like so much w- between each other anyway. Um... So that's why she's that supportive. Do you, think, do you have
0: a relationship with your mum, which is quite open? Very open. Like, yeah. I think
1: I'm really, really incredibly lucky yeah. to have this relationship yeah. with my mum. That's really and nice. And I have a lot of love and respect for my dad, and I'm also really close to my dad. But I think it goes back to what we were saying. Is my dad's taught me a lot about, like, practicality yeah. and how yeah. to, how to like, navigate the world in a different way, whereas my yeah. mum's taught me a lot of things on a more emotional level. Yeah. And I think as a woman, coming from another woman, it resonates with me a lot more because I'm like, I can actually relate to your experiences. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, I think I think, you know, we 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 were just having a discussion about this even before I hit the record button, which was about emotional intelligence, yeah. actually. We didn't even get to that. Is <laughs> <a second. laughs> we are having such a nice chat, we didn't even get to that. Um but I think I think that's the. It's a concept that's only been around for the last couple of decades, maybe yeah. a bit more. I think it was in the seventies. A psychologist sort of came up with this idea. Now, em- emotional intelligence is something that you can only have once you've sort of figured out the practicalities of your life. Yeah, and I think our parents have come from a background especially mine I think you know mm-hmm. maybe it might be different for your parents but it was just like okay you have to thrive for the next day to keep thriving mm-hmm. keep thriving that's
1: very similar to my dad's yeah, yeah. So, I also yeah. think it's our responsibility to be yeah. opening up these conversations yeah. yeah and I've always said that like I want to get into humanitarian work mm. and I think the first thing that like comes to people's minds and they think of that is like relief work or aid work but for me I think humanity in its simplest form is communication yeah. and to be able to communicate freely and with complete authenticity and I think in order for us to be able to do that, we need to be having these conversations. Mm. And recently my parents actually separated. Okay. And we always, like, as a, like I think it's for the best. And we all, as a family, we all think it's for the best. And, you know, my parents are a lot older. They had been married for 25 years. So again, that in itself was very taboo. Yeah. And for the rest yeah. of the family, we were all quite concerned about what everyone else was going to mm. say. Even though we as a family unit knew it was for the best, yeah. we still had it in the back of my, our minds that what is everyone else going to mm. say mm. that at this late stage in their life, they're separating. Um, but it's because as a family we weren't able to have these conversations we weren't able to communicate with one another and that's why there was that breakdown Yeah. so I think for me it's more personal because I I want to be able to make this change so I don't make these same mistakes yeah. f- further on in my life yeah. and in whatever relationship that is whether it's a platonic friendship or whether it's my own relationship yep. Yeah. and I think as a society as Asians we should be having conversations that are more taboo Mm. Because we're not having these conversations mm. at the moment, mm. and that's the only way we will we will increase our emotional capacity yeah. capacity and our emotional intelligence. Otherwise, we're just going to be ignorant if we if we're thinking yeah. that we don't need and to it, do these things. It,
0: so, Isra, just before we finish, actually, when when do you think you'll release this book?
1: Um, because I'm still I'm in my final year of university, so I'm still trying to write my dissertation as well. Okay. Um, so I've not given myself a deadline in terms of like an actual month. But it's going to be out next year. Next year. Next okay. year. Okay. At some point. Okay, so
0: whenever it is out, I'll, whenever I'll it put it out, out <laughs> to the public. <laughs> <laughs> I'll plaster your face everyone. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> if someone is in a similar situation as you mm-hmm. in any part of the world who's also trying to create something, achieve something that maybe, or goes against something that they believe in their family, yeah. what advice would you give them?
1: Um, I think essentially just do what you want to do and not be afraid of what everyone else is going to say and be able to recognize that that, that is there, that idea is there and that there's always going to be comparison, especially in our society, but being able to push past that and thinking that actually I'm doing this for myself. And my mom actually said something really nice is that like surround yourself with people who are rich in heart. Mm. Um, and I think that's really important to do. Mm. And I think if you're surrounding yourself with people who are also going to uplift you, it becomes a lot easier to do that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think just go for it. Yeah, because there shouldn't be anything holding you back. If you think what you're doing is is good, um, and I think also do everything with intent and with purpose because mm. that's really important. And I think mm. we're all put here for a reason. Yeah. And if if you have intent and you have purpose, whatever you end up doing is going to be amazing anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important. Great,
0: thanks, Yisra. Thanks for joining me, and thank you so doing, much for yeah, having me. It was really, no- it was a really nice. It was, it was really nice <laughs> <a lovely laughs> conversation. Yeah. And thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. And thank you, Isra, as well, for coming down to London to record this with me in the studio and giving me your time, which is very precious to, to everyone nowadays. Time is a very precious thing. So anybody who does offer that, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Even you listeners who've given your last 45 minutes or so to tune in. So... I've had a lot of questions regarding the previous episode, which was with Ravine. Uh, If you haven't tuned in, you can still do that. Uh, It's episode one. And a lot of people have asked me about my views on the NHS and my views as a doctor. And they also want to know uh, a bit about the follow up with Ravine and how she's doing and what the future holds for her. So all of these questions will be answered if you just drop me a message on Instagram. and uh, You can find me at meanals underscore world. That's on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well at meanals World and YouTube as well and any other podcast app. So now meanals World is live on iTunes so you can find me on iTunes. And if you do have just a little bit of time in your hands and maybe you can rate and leave a review on iTunes because that really does help me reach out to more people. I'll be very grateful for that as well. If you have any questions or anything you want to talk about, any topics you want me to discuss, you can drop me an email as well. That's meanalsworldpodcast at gmail.com and I try to get back to as many emails as I can. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you to my guests who join me every week. Next week, I have another great guest and all my guests are great because... I love talking to people and I can't wait to bring you the next episode again. So big, big hug to everyone, big virtual hug and lots of love and stay happy, stay motivated and I'll see you next Friday.